Welcome home to the sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known. Bye forever, Daddy. Oh, how we love you so. I know it's time to feel Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Amen, amen. Anybody excited this morning? Come on, let's show it, let's show it. I'm excited, I'm excited. Anybody here for the first time? All right, welcome, welcome, welcome. Would you guys come forward? We want you to tell us your name and your... Just kidding, bro. Just kidding, bro. <laughs> I'll just keep doing that because it's always funny. <laughs> we're welcome. We're glad that you're here. Amen. All right. Let's pray real quick. God, say with me. God, move me. Challenge me. Touch me. Scare me. Just don't leave me. The same way I walked in. Amen, amen, amen. All right. I'd like to start with a quote. Listen to this quote. You ready? How many of you know we're in the middle of what? Genesis. Amen. And the name of the series is? The World Series. Amen. Somebody listening. Praise God. All right. Here's, here's, a, here's a, a quote this morning. It is absurd for the evolutionist to complain that it is unthinkable for an unthinkable God to make everything out of nothing and then pretend it is more thinkable that nothing should turn itself into everything. Come on, man. I put all that sweat into that. And you... All right, we'll get more excited later. Listen, the more, the more I study the book of Genesis, man, I got to tell you, the more I've spent more hours so far on Genesis than, than anything I've ever prepared for. And the more time I spend and the more I get into Genesis, the more like amazed I am and, 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 and I tremble kind of. It's, 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 it's so much in there because it's so foundational. Amen. And so, you know, I told you last week, the Word of God is like this immense tree. It's mature with an abundance of fruit. It's weighed down and perfectly balanced with powerful branches shooting out in every direction, displaying an awesome array of strength and wisdom. And the more I study Genesis, the more I discovered there's more fruit than we can eat in a single seating. Amen? And I've been overwhelmed by the Word of God this week. The more I bit off, the more I was able, I, the more I had to chew, the more there was to share. And I have to tell you, the, the trepidation, the fear, is that how could I possibly illuminate something, you know, that, that uh, how do I tell the full story without leaving something out? And what if the thing that I leave out is the crucial thing? And, and, and how do you just skip through a verse as if it wasn't there for a reason? And so I, I, I tell you honestly and that I've been humbled by preaching this series more than any other time. And so my prayer throughout the World Series, it's not that one team would win, but that we would all win. Amen. My prayer throughout this World Series is that, that I could at least motivate, inspire, just a little, encourage the pilgrims in this place to press in. And to press on. Amen? See, I believe with all of my heart there is a move of God stirring like we have never seen before. I know we've heard this for years. I believe with all my heart. And, and you see it in your own lives. You see it in, in... Some of you see it in your relatives. You're looking at your cousin saying, What are you doing? Like you're, you're on the floor. You're lifting your hands. Are you, like since when? Are you tripping on something? What are you taking? 
Right? Some of you are seeing it in your families. You're saying, man, something's changing. Listen, I believe there's a move of God stirring like we have never seen before. And it's a move of God tied specifically to our hunger and desire for God. Tied specifically to our hunger and desire for God. And I want to tell you, I have a desire and a hunger for more. And I want that to show. I want that to get on you. I want that to be your hunger. You, you, ever been, you ever been sat next to somebody, they were eating? <laughs> right? And, and it could be anything. It could be maybe even something that doesn't really appeal to you or whatever. But, but they're eating something. And, you know, maybe you ate already, so you're not eating. Or maybe you don't, you know, have anything to eat at the moment, so you just, no, I'm not hungry. But, but they're eating this thing with such a... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? You've been there? And they're just... And they're like, you want something? You're like, no, no, I'm good. But they're eating with this, and it starts to stir up a hunger in you. And you know, you better believe by before the end of that day, or at least by the end of that week, you're going to be someplace getting that thing that that person was eating. Amen? Because that hunger that they had for it got on you. I've done that, man. It, it, it sounds like an addictive behavior, but, but I've done that with, a, I remember about a cheeseburger. Nothing spectacular about a cheeseburger, but this person was eating this cheeseburger like it was glory. You know what I'm saying? And, and I couldn't do it at the time because I was going someplace or whatever. But later on that week, I went all by myself. I sound like an addict, right? And, and I, I bought this cheeseburger with onions fried, onions cooked. You know, I like the onions cooked. And, and it was just dripping and, and I just enjoyed it. And I said, wow. But I realized it was that hunger that stuck on me. That's what I want with the Word of God. That's what I want you to see in Genesis. I want you to see me having such a good time in Genesis that you say, wait, that's in there? I got to get some of that for me. Amen? Now, I'm, I don't need to just get that little dose on Sunday. This is not enough. Amen? If you just eat on Sunday, you'd be dead by, you know, after a couple, right? You understand? Spiritually, it's the same thing. If we just eat on Sunday, it's not enough. I mean, you know, by Monday, the stuff wears off, right? How many of you have co-workers that will wear it off with a quickness, right? Some of you got husbands and wives that will wear the glory off with a quickness. We're still working on that, amen? So I want that hunger, man, to get on you. Listen, I've always heard of many moves of God reported and experienced. I'll tell you myself, I went down to Brownsville when, when God was stirring up things down there. I went up to Toronto when God was stirring up things down there. Wherever we heard of a well where God was coming, I, 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 if I could be there, I was there. Amen? Me and Gary and, and, and Jesse and Sal, man, if we could be there, we were there. If it was a, you know, we could make it happen one way or another. We've driven 16 hours someplace, one way. Just to be there for a weekend to drive back, to be back at work, you know, that, that kind of thing. Because this, this just so, so I've experienced that. But listen, what I've noticed is that at every place, there was always a person that God used to start it off or to head it up. And there was always a person or a group of people that pushed it away. I believe there's a move, and this is my conjecture, which is just a fancy word for guess, that there is a move of God coming and even starting right now that will not be tied to a particular leader. It won't be tied to a particular person, not a denomination, not a church, not even a location. I believe it's a move of God that will be directly tied to the hunger, maturity, and obedience of God's people. And I believe it's going to hit the body of Christ as a whole. I believe it's happening right now in different churches. What? Different denominations, different um, styles of worship. What? It's happening in different liturgy, different ceremonies. What? God can move different. And diff what? And listen. It's not just going to be talk of revival, but just revival. No meetings about revival, but just revival. Doesn't it, doesn't it bug you out in some neighborhoods? You see the, the banners across the churches, revival, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then the other church says, revival, Monday. You know, it's like, how'd they get God to do that? Like God had a, had a Blackberry or something, and they set it up. Sorry, I'm going to move. And then... Revival happens. It is. It's, you don't. Play, you understand? Revival is when God is doing something. It's not something you tell God when to do or how to do. Amen. 
So, so listen, I believe it's not going to be any meetings about it, just revival. It's not going to be any personalities tied to the move of God. It's just going to be God. Amen? I'm just sick and tired of following people. I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm... I'm and, and, and let me tell you, I, I, I'm making this real clear because no way would I ever want the responsibility to be on me. To say, I'm bringing this or God's using... No, man. It's, it's the, when the body of Christ, right? The word says, if my people will humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways, right? My people, amen? So, so amen, it's not going to be personalities, just revival. No hype, no weirdness, no flakiness, just revival. No stirring up, no manipulation, no fanning, just revival. Let me give you a definition of revival. It's an improvement in the condition or strength of something. This ain't a Christian dictionary, this is Webster's. There's three good ones in there. It says an improvement in the condition or strength of something. Number two, it's an instance of something becoming active or important again. <laughs> Woo! I'm glad you say that because the third thing is it's a reawakening of passion. That's the definition of revival. See, revival is just man returning to the purpose for which he was created for and God taking pleasure in it. Woo. How many of you want some of that? I want some of that. I don't want the man-made manipulation. I don't want people twisting my necks until I fall to the floor so they can feel good about themselves. I don't want people hitting me in the face and knocking me down so they can feel holy. Man, I just want, I just want that when I pray, I fall out myself. Amen? Nobody pointing, nobody laying hands. I just say, God, I just want... Whoa. 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 Amen? Just, I just bend, just I get up and it's just, whoa, whoa, whoa. Alright, let's jump into the foundational word of the book of Genesis. Watch me eat. <laughs> Tell somebody we're going to have fun. Day one, Genesis 1, 1 through 5, God created the light. So in day one, he separated the light from the darkness. We talked about that. Day two, he created the skies and the seas. He, he created atmosphere in between. So he separated the waters from the waters, right? We talked about that. Day three, he said the creation of dry land. He separated the waters from the land so that the land would appear. And he separated, making the seas. Also on day three, he, he said, let, let, let our vegetation and Trees with seeds sprout and grow. Something a little note there. God, every living thing that God creates has a seed to reproduce itself. Oh man. Say, God had to think this through. Amen. This wasn't like how we act, we just do something, right? God had to think everything that He created had a seed to reproduce itself. Wow, that's a whole nother message. All right. So the first three days, listen to this, because you got to, I love just looking at things like this. The first three days were days of separation. God separated the light from the darkness, the water from the water above, from the water below. He separated the land from the water. See, God was putting everything in its place. It's the title of this message this morning. Everything in its place. If there's one thing that we see in Genesis and learn about God, is that God creates things with a purpose. And those things accomplish their purpose when everything is in place. Let the wise say amen. See, all of those things that God created were good things. The water's good, the land's good, the air. But, but they had to be in there were... How many know you can have the right thing in the wrong place? <laughs> so they were in the wrong place to accomplish their purpose. And the word says it was chaos. Anybody know what chaos is? Come on, how many of us live in it sometimes, right? Sometimes it's in our heads, man. Chaos. Confusion and emptiness, darkness. 
So there's a lesson for us here, just right there. It says, when God brings in light, He sets things in order. See, you could have everything you desire and still live in chaos. I mean, no, you could get the job that pays six figures and still have chaos in your life. You could get the car that you always dreamed of getting and still have chaos in your life. You could get the girl, the guy, whatever, and still have chaos in your life unless everything is in its proper place. Somebody say amen. amen. See, when you're doing what you're created to do, unless you are where you need to be, you can't serve the purpose you were created to serve. Most of the issues that we have, most of the struggles that we deal with are a result of things not being in the right place. Amen? Some of you don't want to shake your heads, but you know it's true. Young people, all the drama that we walk through is usually when we're not in the right place. Husbands, wives, you don't want me to go there, right? So right, next week is Valentine's. We'll go there next week. <laughs> Don't let them stay home. Next week is going to get pretty. It's going to get pretty. So, so, I mean, most of the issues are, you know, putting things in their place. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He prepared in advance for us to do. Can, I mean, do you get the weight of that, of that scripture? God created us and prepared in advance things for us to do, and some of us are not walking in it. No wonder we're depressed. No wonder we, we're stuck on every other thing. No wonder we have to, we have to you know, do and, and get us ourselves through things, doing different things. No wonder we have to supplement everything. Because there's things here that God lined up for us to do. Sometimes those things that God created in advance for us to walk in are not pleasant. They're not bread, they're not pleasant. But you know what? If you don't walk in them, you'll never be strong enough to hold the blessings that lie beyond them. I'm not, I'm, I'm not preaching fairy tale and pie in the sky. You can't get to the blessing without having the power. Amen? Because you can't handle it. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> you can't. Okay, if God, listen, the, the, the things that some of us are praying for, we are not ready for. And if God would give it to us now, we'd blow it. I, I say, that's me. That's me. I know it. You ain't ready to hit the lotto. You'll be on TV broke next, next month. Anyway. See, when God... So, so let's put it together. When God shines on your life, you better expect some separation. First thing God does is He separates light from darkness. 2 Corinthians, Paul says, What partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? First thing God does is separate it. There's going to be light and there's going to be darkness. Later on in the New Testament, he says, You choose which one you want to live in. Let me give you six D's. God doesn't desire you to dwell in the deeds of darkness or despair. Man, get that in your heart. God doesn't desire you to dwell in the deeds of darkness or despair. If we're going to experience revival, we need to start walking with a daily awareness of God. Don't, don't get aware of God when you come to church. Get aware of God when you leave church. That's where you need it. Here it's easy. Here, somebody will pat you on the back. Somebody will they'll hug you. They got six guys hugging you at the door. Some of you come just for that, I know. So if I want to get hugged by six people today, just I'm going to go to the sanctuary. Because there's going to be four or five hit me before I sit down. And another six maybe before I leave. It's just that kind of place. So if we're going to, so here it's easy, it's on the outside, we need to walk there and say, whoa, whoa, this is ugly, whoa, this is a hard place, whoa God, but you're here. Bam, fall on the floor again. 
I'm not going to keep doing it because you know, I'm going to hurt myself. But if we're going to experience this kind of revival, we're going to need to separate some things and put everything in its place. We need to see improvement in the condition or strength of something. Like the definition says, something's going to have to become important again. Or for the first time for some of us. If we're going to see and experience it, there's going to have to be a reawakening of passion. There's nothing worse than a passionless man of God. Like there's weakness, but there's no passion. You understand? Somebody with passion could do anything. Right? You could, you could do anything if there's a passion behind it. If, if listen, dads, if, if, your, if your kid was trapped under a car, tell me that you won't be passionate about lifting the Escalade by yourself to get it out. I know, I'll do it. I know I will. Because, because I'm not gonna stop until it moves. Amen? Oh, that's good. We're not going to stop until it moves. There's some escalades in your life that you need to press against to get it out, to, to free some... Oh, come on, man. Y'all ain't getting it. Let's move on. Day four. Day four. Let me read day four to you real quick. Genesis 1.16. It says, And God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. And I'm, I'm skipping. And God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Let me tell you why I love day four. Because God is clever. Amen? How many of you know, we think we're smart, but we don't have, we don't hold a candle to the, to the cleverness that God is. I was thinking about this and reading, I probably read about 15 commentaries, but listen, this is one, one way to shake the tree and, and have some, some stuff hit you in the head so that you can get some fruit from it, is to look at Scripture as in, in, in the light of who it was written to at the time. Amen? It's another way to get some meaning from Scripture. So listen, this word that was given to Moses, that Moses is, is putting forth, because Moses is the author of Genesis, Moses, this was given to Hebrews who were raised and saturated in pagan Egyptian cultures. Alright? You, you follow me? These Egyptians were polytheistic, which means they worshipped many gods. Okay, but there was one, the only important God who was worshipped and consistently was the sun. And they called the sun Ra. And they believed the sun was the chief of cosmic deities who created the world. So now here's God laying out creation. And it's interesting to note that he puts the creation of the sun, the moon and the stars, gods that everybody's worshipping. He puts them on day four in between plants and birds and fish. You, you follow me? He's saying, look, this, this, this thing that I created, it's important. I'm making it. I'm creating it. But I'm going to put it in between fish and plants and, and, and animals. Why? And, and, you know, it, it, he, and then he doesn't even name the sun or the moon. There were names back then that he could have used to name the sun and the moon. But these names were already being worshipped. So he doesn't put the names. He says, I'm going to create two great lights. He doesn't give them names. I mean, do you see kind of the, the coolness that's in here? So he's saying... He calls them two great lights. The text goes into great length to discuss the creation of these lights. Perhaps because the subject was very important to the, to the ancients since, since these lights were considered gods in the ancient world. And so this, this section serves, this scripture serves as a real strong polemic. A polemic is, is a, a written or oral warning. And it says, the book of Genesis is saying that these things were created. They're not gods. They, and, and as a matter of fact, God says, they were created to serve me, to serve you. And so they were created to serve in the capacity that God gives them. He was setting everything in its place. The sun, the moon, and the stars are not gods. They were made to serve like you and I were created to serve. Amen? 
So in days 1, 2, 3, listen, in days 1, 2, and 3, there was a naming by God. God named things. In days 5 and 6, there's a blessing by God. God blesses things. In day 4, there's neither a naming or a blessing. Isn't that deep? There's neither a naming or a blessing. What can we take from that for us? Well, God would later give Moses the Ten Commandments. And both one and two have to deal with serving other gods. Somebody say, God's serious about this. See, when, when, when your husband tells you things twice, he's nagging. When God tells you things twice, it's because he wants you to get it and understand it. And not hurt yourself trying to avoid it. Amen? So, look, look in, 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 in Exodus, he gives us the, the Ten Commandments. The first two, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not, that's number one. Number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above, on earth beneath, or in the water underneath. In other words, he said, no idols. Don't make an idol. I don't care if it's fashioned after me, after anything in the sky, after anything here, or after anything in the water. Don't make an idol, he says. I I don't care. Number five, you shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations. Somebody say, that's cruel. Right? He visits the he he visits this cruelty. I mean, it's cruel. He visits the generations, the children, because of the iniquity of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation of those that hate him. But look how awesome God is. But verse six. But showing loving kindness to a thousand generations of those that love me. You see, isn't that awesome? See, God is saying. To get on my bad list, you really got to want to be on my bad list. Some of you think you're on God's bad list. God says to get on that list, man, you got to really want to be there. You can't just mess up and get there. You can't just do something wrong and get on the bad list. God doesn't put your name on a dry erase board where he's always erasing and writing, erasing and writing. Some of us feel that way, right? We feel like, well, I did good things this week. I'm on the right list. But the second I screw up, God did whoop, wiped the name, walked over to the other board, and wrote it on the other board. Like, this is all God got to do all day. He's right, you know, a billion, trillion people. In the, he's writing names, erasing, writing names, erasing. Man, get that out of your mind. He's saying, I visit my loving kindness. I visit generations to a thousand generations of kids of those that love me. Amen? So what we learn in Genesis, that's the foundation for our entire faith walk. Genesis, God in Genesis puts everything in its place. Listen, when we make an idol of something, we set that thing up next to God and we become polytheistic. We worship more than one God. We can't say, you know, we could say, well, not in our culture. We're not, you know, worshiping calves and and stuff. Don't make me get into idols. Amen? Just ask yourself, when you leave here, who are you worshiping? When you leave here, who are you worshiping? When you're worried and stressed out and, 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 and letting that consume you and be all, who are you worshiping? You're saying, God, you're not able. Who are you worshiping? Who do you run to? Who do you go to? Who do you have your trust in? You're not worshiping. Who do you worship when you leave here? Listen to me. Let me, let me be real quick about this. You can't ask God for guidance and consult the stars for direction. If God is God and the creator of the heaven and the earth, I have to decide whether I'm going to be a Capricorn or a Christian. Get the horoscope off your Facebook. I already deleted you because of that. I don't care what it says for Capricorn. I, I, I'm a Christian. What are the promises that it has says for me? I don't need somebody to tell me, according to the stars, you're going to run into somebody. Come on, I can give you that. I can spit that nonsense out every day. Call me and I'll give you a fake, right? Today will be a day of great decisions. Wow! Wow! Because I'm a cancer, I'm going to have great decisions today. No moron. (laughs) Amen? 
We're going to consult the Creator, not the stars. Amen? Side note, I, I, I don't know how I could put this into Genesis, but it fit right in. Side note, take a look at who you're listening to and being entertained by. Say, say, say uh-oh. Listen, what you feed on becomes a part of you. How many of you heard the expression, you are what you eat? What you feed on becomes a part of you. Listen, this little symbol might be cute when your favorite artist throws it up. But this is the eye of Ra, the sun god. Jesus over Jay-Z, amen. This is the sun god. When, 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 he, when he does this, this is the eye of Ra. What, how'd that get into hip-hop? You figure it out. When, when Lady Gaga does this or th- whatever, what is she doing? When Beyonce and this, and then we could go on and on and on, but check who you're listening to because somebody's word, somebody's throwing up the sun god and you, you think it's cool. Amen? Can we talk about it? I just did. (laughs) Let the wise understand. To walk in revival, (laughs) there has to be a separation. (laughs) Revival is an improvement in the condition or strength of something. It's, a, it's something has to start getting important to us again. More important than our music. More important than, than, than our, our entertainment, man. Some of us want to be entertained all the time. Grow up! Amen? There's got to be a reawakening of passion. A passion that says, God, you're more important to me than he or she. You're more important to me than having 3,000 songs on my iPod. So what if after you check, you're down to 30? Amen. Worship those 30. That's what you was made for anyway. Amen. Everything else is just wasting time. All right, I'll leave you alone. I don't care. You, you, there has to be a reawakening of passion. You have to be more important to me than what people think. Amen? Whether how happy they are when I don't follow the crowd or not. You want to pray a dangerous prayer? Say, God, I give you permission to put everything in its place in my life. Man, you won't wake up the same after that. Let's move on. Day five. That was fun. Let me look at my clock, make you think I'm, I'm interested. Day 5, Genesis 1, verse 20, it says, And then God said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. And God created the great sea monsters. Some of your versions say whales. And every living creature that moves. And it says, God created every living creature that moves. And it says, with, and, and with which the water swarmed after their kind. And every winged bird after its kind. I love that the scriptures throw that in there. You think God didn't know we were going to have to be dealing with evolution in our time? He said, every animal after its kind, every winged bird after its kind, and God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. Listen, there is, I love getting into the evolution thing. I love getting into creation science. It's amazing. In every drop of water in the sea, there's over 30,000 living um, uh, microbes and, 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 and amoebas and all kinds of over 30,000 living things in a drop of water and the word says he made everything after its kind listen check this out look at this verse that I found in the book of Job 12 it says in relation to creation it says I, but ask the animals and they will teach you or the birds of the air and they will tell you 
It says, or, or speak to the earth and it will teach you. Or let the fish of the sea inform you. Let the fish of the sea tell you stories. Which of these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. So the scripture says birds will tell you who the creator is. The earth will tell you nature. It says let the fish tell you stories. I love that. God knew that we were going to be dealing with, with things like this. Listen, the fish, there's something incredible about the fish. Fish have eyes with built-in lenses for retraction of light. Because they live underwater, their eyes have to be able to withstand the pressure of, 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 of underneath, on the ground, you know, of, of being in the ocean. Their eyes have to withstand that pressure. They also have to be able to see, to, to be able to eat, to be able to, to, to run and all that, right? Today, divers study the eyes of fish to make goggles for divers that adjust for the reflection of light. But science says that happens by random choice, by random mutation, that our genes just change over, over millions and millions of years. Our genes change and, and the stuff that's good, we, we use and the stuff that's no good, it, it gets put away. The problem is um, evolution leads to simplicity because it, it, it subtracts, it doesn't add. So how do... Animals like the fish get eyes that all of a sudden, after millions and millions and millions of years, can see underwater. Can, can put up with the pressure underwater. No, I have to tell you that that is, I have to believe in my heart, that is an intelligent design. It is design. And if something is designed, there's a designer. Amen? There's so many animals that can speak to you like this. The cuttlefish. Man, I was looking for a video, but the videos are too long, but I'm going to show you one in a moment. But the cuttlefish is like an octopus, right? It's amazing, this cuttlefish. It's able to camouflage itself, not only the color, but the texture. This thing is crazy. And it knows how to defend against different kinds of predators so when there's a different kind it's eaten by a lot of other animals so when there's a predator of some sort it knows that it needs to it'll get into an algae you know an algae a pile a cloud and it'll all of a sudden take on the texture of algae and its skin will go like that and and it'll blend right in google it and you'll, you'll be amazed TVs today, the new technology of television, the LED and all that stuff, is, comes from studying the cuttlefish. The cuttlefish has millions of reflectors inside its body and it has this luminescent light in it that it's able to change color immediately. It can form a zebra stripe. It can form the sand with, with, with dots. When it's, when it's, um, when it's being attacked by its biggest predator, the big thing, what it does, it lays itself flat to make itself really big and it draws two eyes on its back. Two big black eyes appear on its back to make the predator think that that's a big animal. How does evolution explain that kind of design? I mean, that should baffle your mind. If you just go to a fish store, you'd have the glory of God just moving on you because you said evolution can't use these pretty colors and God wastes them on fish. You ever thought like that? God wastes colors on fish and flowers. It, like, like there's nothing to him. He could spare all this color. So this fish, it takes on these, these colors. It's just, it's just amazing. Again, so complex. It's even able to, to the, with the reflectors and everything, it's able to put, it like puts on TV. It, 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 um, it does flashes of light and it, and it scrolls across the body like a screensaver. God has fish with screensavers. <laughs> Job says, let the fish tell you stories. Let the fish tell you stories. Listen, we could go, let, let me show you one video real quick. Kelly, you got that video? It says, let the birds tell you something. 
The last part, in case you didn't get it, he opens up his eyes every time before he hits. And he is tra, tra, tra. Opens up his eyes every time before he hits to be able to aim and hit in the right place. If he doesn't, oh, if he doesn't close his eyes before he hits, his eyes would bulge out of his head. They would pop out. But he's designed to know and wired to know that. The next picture that we're going to show you is there's a specific um, um, woodpecker that it's amazing. His tongue, you know, most of our tongues start right here at the back, right, of our mouth and it comes to the back. His tongue starts at the back of his mouth, goes down, goes up around his head, comes down through his nasal passages and goes into his mouth and then is able to come out six inches. How does something like that evolve? Either it happens, either it works right out of the box, or he dies. Dead birds can't evolve. Are you understanding the whole what I'm trying to show you? Something that dies can't evolve. So if things don't work right out of the box, it's never going to work. Because it'll die and it'll never get the chance, right? When you guys go and buy something new, you go and you buy a brand new car and, and you realize it doesn't drive. Well, you, immediately you'll bring it back. Immediately you'll call and say this thing because you're not going to wait until somehow, some way, it'll, it'll learn how to... No, it has to work. This was designed perfectly to work right out the box. Amen? Evolution is a lie. Research it for yourselves and decide, man. Look, look up some of the stuff and decide. There's, there's so many animals that defy the, uh, the evolution. The giraffe is a major animal that defies the revolution. Evolution says, well, because the food was being scarce on the bottom, so their necks had to stretch to eat the, 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 the foliage and the grass that was up higher, right? The leaves and the fruits. And that makes so much sense. It, it, sound, it sounds good. But then why don't every other animal of that time get long necks too? How come just the, the, the giraffe? Well, because it's a lie. Because if the giraffe has such a strong, powerful pump as a heart, enable, that, that it enables the blood to shoot all the way up to his head, tiny little head brain up here, it's such a strong pump that if at any point of his, of his growing, this head was any shorter, the, it would blow his head off. Really, that's how strong the pump is. Now, here's another problem. You see, when, when giraffes drink, they bring their heads all the way down to take a drink of water, and then they come all the way back up. What happens to us sometimes when we get up too soon? When we bend down and get up too soon? We get lightheaded, right? Because the blood leaves our head. Well, imagine you got a 10-foot neck, and you bring it down to eat. What's going to happen? The blood pressure the is going to fly to that inner bitty head. It's going to blow it off. You won't survive. Now you can't evolve. So how come that doesn't happen? Well, because God designed the giraffe with veins that have closures all the way up. So the blood only goes one way and it's not allowed to come back down. Oh my Lord. That is amazing. If you just study animals, you'll be holier than most people that go to church. Because you'll say, God, you're amazing the things that you do. God, you put everything in its place. But now listen, let's say, okay, so the, the blood is all, you know, where it has to be. But now he bends down and when he comes back up, isn't all that blood just going to gonna um, get him to pass out? He's going he's gonna to keep falling. No, why? Because when he gets up and the blood starts going the way it should be, there God designed his brain with a little spongy matter behind his brain that holds all this blood so that it drains slowly oh my lord the giraffe declares the glory of God but we still teach in school that, that evolution is science and creation is not why? because creation says God and so creation becomes a religion and I'm sorry but it is because we are created things created, amen with a designer, with a creator, man. And it's just amazing, isn't it? Let me just skip. Listen, let me end with this. In Genesis, right now as we're, we're reading through Genesis, we read about all about how God prepared a place for us, right? The Garden of Eden, He prepares this world and, and it's amazing. We were created last on the list so that when man opens his eyes for the first time, he sees all of creation laid out before him. 
Can you imagine for the first time you open and it's just and all these all these animals that don't want to kill you. They're just everywhere. Right? And, and God says everything was there. God prepared this place. He saw everything in its place furnished and complete with everything. Even extras. Every provision was taken care of. Even extras that were not necessary to life, but God just added it in there for richness. The color of a flower. The smell of a, of a rose bush. The sounds of, of waterfalls and water rushing. All that is just extra, not even needed for life. God just paints a pretty picture. Why? Because He can. Amen? The sweet taste of a fruit, <coughs> all created to complement all of our senses, our eyes, our ears, our tastes. Listen, the Garden of Eden was the first place God created for us, and we destroyed it with the fall. We'll get into that. Not today. But listen, Jesus says in John 14, 1, to us who are here today, dealing with the results of the fall, dealing with having to be taught evolution, dealing with fighting with, with uh, science and fighting with everything around us that doesn't want to worship God. Jesus says in John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2, in my Father's house are many, many mansions. And I go there to prepare a place for you. I'll come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. Can we just bow our heads for a moment and just take that in? In the beginning, God created... A beautiful, wonderful place. And he prepared it and it was incredible. We, we can see just from the results, from, from looking around at nature, from, from reading science, from delving into science. We can see that, that God spared no expense at making this incredible place for us. And now in John, Jesus says, I go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And so there's a second place of preparation that, that God is preparing for us. A place that it, it says where there's no death, there's no disease, there's no decay. A place that will be even, um, you know, even more than what was intended in the beginning. God, there's even more. We see pictures of heaven and throughout the Word and, and there's streets of gold. And I mean, this, just, this is a place that's being prepared for us even more magnificent than the place that we ruined. God says, I go and prepare a place for you that where I may be, you may be also. Family, listen, if you're here today and you've never... You know, you've, you've said, man, I come to church because my parents make me come to church or I come to church because that's just what we do. I just pray today that, that and, and, and for the following weeks as we delve into creation and how God made things, that you will start to see, man, they're, they're, the woodpecker just ministered to me. God, the, the, the stories that your fish tell are just amazing to me. And they tell me, and I can believe now, Psalm 19, that the glory of God, that nature declares the glory of God. That the, the heavens and, the, and nature tell the stories of God. And so I, I just want, I want God to get real to some of you. I want you to maybe have an encounter with a fish, have an encounter with this bird, have an encounter with a, an octopus in the ocean and say, God, you created that and it's obvious the purpose and the passion and the, and the design that it has. Then, then Lord, I must too be created. You must too have created me. And God, I thank you that you, you spared no expense to minister to me, to bless me. Say, God, I want to I wanna know you. I want to have that intimate relationship with you. I, I want to be able to say, God, I want you to put everything in place in my life. I'm tired of trying to figure it out. I'm tired of trying to do things my own way and trying to do what I think is best. I'm tired of wrestling with what's good, what's bad, what's evil, what's wicked, what's holy. 
and say, God, I just want you to put everything in its place. If that's you, would you just, would you just stand and declare the glory of God? Would you say, God, God, that's me. I might not have all the answers. I might not have everything figured out. But God, I want, to, I want you to put things in place. And if you're doing that for the first time, if this is the first time, then, then add an arm to that, man. And just say, God, I want to, that's me. Amen. Amen. Say, God, that's me, man. I just, I want you to put everything in place because, God, you do things well. If you loved the woodpecker enough to give him a tongue long enough with, 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 uh, with a glue that can, that, God, if you supplied for the woodpecker, you will supply for me. If you provided for the bird that, that, that who even knows about, you, you care for me. So come on, come forward. Let's just worship together before we leave. Amen. There's a move of God just tied directly to your hunger. Tied directly to your obedience. Sometimes we know what we got to do, but we don't want to do it. Church, if you know what you got to do, that's disobedience. God can't bless disobedience. As much as he loves us, as much as he's done, he can't bless our disobedience. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Don't, 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 you know, stand and, and look at these up here and say, oh, they're hypocrites. They think they got it all together. They're perfect. No. Every day we're going to get it wrong. Amen. And so we're not saying we're going to step forward and get it right. We're saying, God, we're going to step forward and let you have your way. And one day it's going to be all right because you said you prepared a place for me. And one day you're coming back to take me. And I'm not going to have to deal with this flesh anymore. I'm just going to be in a place where, where everything would just work the way it was supposed to work. Amen. Come on, let's worship, church. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless. Jesus.